0: Father, I just thank you for the opportunity today to share your word. Father, I just thank you uh, for being reminded to be thankful today. Amen. Father, we come before you today as a thankful people, God. The Bible says to be thankful in all things. It doesn't say to thank God for all things, but to be thankful in everything. So, Father, we are thankful, God, for for Jesus. We are thankful, Father, for you in our lives, Lord. We're thankful, God, that the knowledge of God is in this place. We're thankful, God, that you're in our spirits. We're thankful, God, that you're working in our lives. I'm thankful, God, for the opportunity to share your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't, don't let We've got to guard our joy, and we've got to guard and, and be reminded that even as Sherry was saying during worship, we have the power and we can make the choice to rejoice in Jesus' name. In fact, we are exhorted and encouraged again and again in Scripture. Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. In all things rejoice. I just want to start in, in Philippians chapter 3. Um, and, and read that scripture about Paul's exhortation to rejoice. And it's interesting that after he, raise your hand if you'd like some more confidence in your life. Amen? I, I, I want to be confident. You know, I listened to Joyce Meyer years ago. Talk, uh, she had a series about confidence. I would recommend it. And she said, you know, God wants us to be confident, and it's the confidence people in life that are out in ahead. ahead. And, and she said, ultimately, our confidence needs to be in him. But notice what Paul says here in, in chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord for me to write these things to you again. It's not tedious. In other words, uh, I don't mind reminding you again because it's important, but it's safe. I want you to beware of dogs, evil workers, mutilation, and in, in that situation, he was talking about people living in unrighteousness. He was talking about uh, Pharisees and, and religious Jewish people that were, uh, wanted to go back to the law and go back to work. He says, I want you to be careful of these things. He said, I want you to be careful with being overly self-involved and focusing upon yourself and what you can do. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we don't have any confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on to list three, several reasons why he can be confident, naturally speaking. But he says, listen, I'm not putting my confidence in my accomplishments. He goes on to talk about how he has an education as a Jewish Pharisee. He goes on to talk about his heritage uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. And then he goes on even to talk about, about his religious zeal and all that he's been trying to do. But he says, none of these things matter. I'm going to be confident in one thing and one thing alone. And that's what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm going to rejoice in the joy of his salvation. I'm going to rejoice in the joy of the righteousness that he gives me. And I'm going to set one thing and one purpose before my face. Because he says, listen, there's one thing I'm focusing on, guys, and I want to share it with you. I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to have relationship with God in Jesus' name. So we've got to rejoice amen so i i I kind of set out um, I wanted to discuss the the fight of faith and and just um, kind of warfare principles i was recently i was I was really struggling and just feeling discouraged and feeling depressed and uh you know it went on for several days and, and maybe even a couple weeks and Lisa came over and she said uh, you know How you doing? And I said, uh, hi, you know. And she said, I'd like to tell you something, but, um, you know, I think you might get offended with me, so I don't know if I want to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) And she, 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 she very nicely came over and she said, you have to fight back. Say that with me if you can. You have to fight back. You have to fight back. When, when the enemy comes with, with whatever he's coming at in your life, we have to fight back. So I, I, I started studying, and, um, and, and I thought, you know what? I just, I really want to study the life of David. You know, if there's a fighter out there, it's David. Amen? So I started studying the life of David. I started right at the beginning of Samuel, and I was just looking at the history, and, and um. And I, and I've, I got a, a, a nice set of notes and, on warfare principles, how to fight and all that. But uh, I had to get rid of it all because it was, it was headed in the wrong direction. Uh, and, and you know why? Because it was overly focused on, on me and what I could do to fight the fight of faith. But I do want to establish it as a premise because the Bible says that we are engaged in conflict. Congratulations. Find somebody beside you and say, you're in a conflict. Sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. Shake them a little bit. and Say, you're in a conflict. You're in a fight. So we are engaged in conflict. We are engaged in warfare. The Bible tells us that uh, Paul exhorts Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, listen, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. Before um, Pilate, you know, we, we quote that often. I, I read it this morning. It's interesting that when Paul references Jesus and his fight, his, he references his confession before Pilate. And what was his confession before Pilate? Does anybody remember? What did he say to Pilate? What's that? He said, you said it. The amen. Thanks, Brother Day. He said, "You said it. so." What did he and what did Pilate say? He said, "Are you the Son of God?" And his confession was, "Yes, I am the Son of God." And we are going to be challenged in life about what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. And people are going to challenge us about who we believe God is, and because of who He is. What that means for us and who we are. And that confession is going to be challenged. But Paul told Timothy, listen, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. I want you to hold on to that confession. When the opportunity presents itself, when you are asked, you need to confess who God is, just like you started. I mean, we come into the faith by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouths what? That Jesus is Lord that he is Savior. And we have to maintain our confession. We have to fight and continue to confess who he is to us, who the Father is. Paul goes on, uh, he talks about in Corinthians. He says, listen, I'm in a fight. He said, I'm not fighting as somebody that beats the air, but he said, I discipline my body. You know, we're in a fight with this body. I didn't get any amens there. Maybe it's just me. Well, we're in a fight with our flesh because the flesh wants to have the dominance. You know, there's a lie out there that if I just get what I want, I'll be happy. Can I tell you that's not true? If you get what you want, naturally speaking, if your flesh gets what it wants, you're not going to be happy. But if we live, the Bible says that the lust of the eyes... The lust of the flesh and the pride of life, the love of the world, these things are not of the Father. The love of the Father is to do the will of the Father. And the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the spirit is lusting against the flesh and the flesh is lusting against the spirit. So there's this pressure that's put upon our spirits to fulfill natural desires but Paul tells Timothy, listen, Timothy, I want you to flee youthful lusts. In other words, run. Don't mess around with youthful lusts. They're coming for you. They want to tempt you, and they want to draw you away, and they want to bring you back into captivity. And Peter reminds us, listen, if anybody returns to the sin of his former life, he's like a dog returning to his own vomit. And Paul tells him, listen, you got to run. Don't sit there and mess around with it. Run. Get away from those youthful lusts because it wants to entrap you and ensnare you again. So there's a fight with our flesh. How many know that we're in a fight with the enemy? He doesn't like you very much that you, now that you've confessed the name of Christ. And the Bible says that we're in an active conflict with him, and then we have to resist him. We've got to draw close to God and resist the devil. Peter reminds us, resist that old devil and he'll eventually free from you. So there's conflict, there's warfare involved in our lives. And now getting back to David, we were singing that song this morning, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. I mean, David fought and won a great victory against Goliath. And when David showed up on the scene, so I want to just take a few minutes and glean a few principles about this great warrior because he beat the odds, and he beat Goliath. But when he showed up on the scene, he wasn't self-promoting. He wasn't looking to accomplish a great victory for himself. In fact, the Bible says that the father called him from the pasture, he was tending his sheep, and the father called him, and it brought him into the situation where Goliath was. And when he got there, he had a different perspective. I mean, we as believers in Christ, we see things a little differently. We have a different worldview than, mo- than other people. And when God brings us into situations, sometimes we have to present that perspective and present that worldview and how it's different than others. Everybody else saw Goliath as undefeatable. David looked at him, and it's very interesting, it wasn't even about Goliath. It was about God. It wasn't about beating the giant, it was about serving God. Because what did he say? He said, listen, you come to me with sword and a spear, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord of the armies of Israel. And he didn't see Goliath's attack specifically as an attack on the people, but he saw that attack as an attack on God himself. He said, you've come and you've defied the Lord of the armies of Israel. And how many know that, listen, David was an anointed man of God. And Jesus is the anointed one. And he is the head and we are the body. And that anointing flows right down from the head over the whole body. David said, my cup runs over, you anoint my head with oil. You might be a hand, or you might be an arm, or you might be a foot, but when the enemy comes against you, he's coming against God because you're a part of the body. You are the body of Christ. And when Goliath rears his head and he attacks you, he's attacking God, and God wants you to see it that way. Because when you realize that your enemies are God's enemies, then you can move into the battle with confidence, hallelujah. And David was able to come into that situation, and he said, wait a minute, who is this guy? And how me know that those words, they spread in the camp very quickly. They spread so quickly that they got the attention of the king. And I want to tell you that faith-filled words of the believer get the attention of the king. When our words are filled with faith, it gets God's attention. When we see things from his perspective and from his vantage point, and when we join up with him and we look at the situation, we say, you know what, God, I don't think this is that big. I don't think it's bigger than you, Lord. I think that with you, all things are possible. That gets God's attention. We were playing tennis the other day, and somebody hit a ball over my head, I think. And it brought my attention up, and I looked up and I could just barely see two birds of prey circling several miles above the ground. <clears throat> In fact, they were so high that uh, I said, honey, you gotta see this. She said, I can't see any bird. There's no birds up there. I'm telling you, they're up there. And when we looked, the kids came over because I really like birds of prey. And I couldn't I couldn't tell you if they were turkey vultures, they might have been bald eagles but those birds were up there and they were circling and they were soaring and they had caught the thermal winds now we've heard this many of us have heard this sort of metaphor again but that's okay say that's okay Because God wants us to soar like eagles in Jesus' name. And he wants us to have a vantage point and a perspective that's different than the world. He wants to bring us up out of our worries and bring us up out of our concerns and bring us up out of our cares. And he said, I want you to come up with me and I want you to have fellowship with me and I want you to dwell with me and then I want you to soar and I want you to see like I see and then the battle can't grab you. You're in it, but you're above it. Why? Because we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've been raised up together with him. We've been seated together with him. We're dwelling with him in heavenly places in Christ. And when we are dwelling in God's presence, you see, those birds of prey, they're mighty. Why? Because they can strike from a strategic point. And God says, when, listen, battle principle. When you fight with the enemy, I want you to be strategic. I want you to get a good vantage point, and then when it's the right time, that's when I am going to commission you to go down into the battle. And that's what he did with David. I mean, when David was, an, was anointed as king, he wasn't even near his brothers. He wasn't even at the sacrifice. He was out worshiping God in the vineyard. And it's time for us to learn the need to step away and to take some time to go out into the pasture and to worship God, hallelujah. It's time for us to come away. God wants you to come away with me. When the disciples were initially commissioned by Jesus, they went about and they cast out devils. They healed the sick. They were doing the works of Jesus. They were spreading the news of the kingdom. But then Jesus came and they came and they were, oh, wow, oh, look at the people, wow. He says, no, 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 no guys. You're a little too worked up. Come away. Let's go. Come on. And he got him, and he isolated them. And he brought them out to a, a hill. And he said, I want you guys to take some time and talk with me now. Because otherwise, you're going to have absolutely no strength to do what I've called you to do. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. They that wait upon the Lord, you're going to renew your strength. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles, and you're going to soar. You're going to run and not be weary. So the fight is to establish God's presence in our lives. It's to prioritize it. Sometimes we got to work to get there. Those birds of prey that were up there, they were not exerting any energy. They were soaring on the thermal winds, but it took them some pumps to get there. Amen? They had to kind of work their way up to that elevation. This is a picture of prayer, fasting, praising, seeking God. But then once we establish that position, we just get to maintain, hallelujah, hallelujah. And if we see we might be dipping a little bit, dipping a little bit, we can just add a little bit. We can add a little bit. We can say, God, I'm going to get my eyes back on you, and I'm going to even out that wing. I'm going to get back balanced and centered where I belong. And that says I don't want the enemy to terrify you. I don't want the situations of life to fluster you. I don't want you to give it that kind of authority in your life. Because I am God, and I will be glorified, and I'll be magnified in your life as you walk with me. I mean, David didn't have much military training. The Bible does not speak of David's training as a warrior. It talks about him out in a pasture tending sheep and singing songs on, uh, what is it, a lyre? A, uh, what's the instrument? I don't know how to say it. He had him a guitar. <laughs> he had, and boy, he could say, no, he didn't have a guitar, but he had a, a liar or something like that, and he was out there. So I was talking recently with someone, and I kind of got the sensing that they were kind of disappointed in um, how God was using them, you know? You know, I really, I just really have this desire to to do this for God, and I want to do this, but I'm not doing that, and you know, and... Uh, Man, I'm frustrated, and I think I've been going to this church for 22 years, 23 maybe, and every, I don't know, Darren's coming next, next, uh, next month. We get a lot of prophetic ministry coming. Somebody say thank God for prophetic ministry. Amen. Edification, exhortation, comfort, coming your way. Do you know, I've never had a personal prophecy about leading worship. Never once. I've never had a prophet come over and say, God has called you just to worship with the angels. Never once. And I've been doing it for over 20 years. Now, if you can explain that to me, go ahead. But listen, sometimes we, we don't see and prioritize spending time with God, lifting God up, worshiping him. This needs to be number one. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what is going to happen? All these things are going to be added unto you. I don't want you to worry about your life. It's a trap. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to put on It's a trap. Listen, your focus and your attention needs to be on me. David said in Psalm 37, To make him our chief desire. And listen, I, I don't know if I said this, but the attack on us is for three things. Are you ready for these? Number one, it's for your desire. The enemy wants to get you desiring other things. He wants to get you to desire the things of the world. He wants to get you to desire uh, those material things. He wants you to get, get you to desire that uh, woman or that man. Are you with me? He wants to get you into desire, ungodly desire, I might add. But even sometimes natural desires can come into our lives and they can begin to consume us. So his first strategy is to get you into desire for other things and not desire for God. The second thing he wants, and by the way, the attack ultimately is on the knowledge of God. Because when David walked into the battle, he had a knowledge of God that nobody else had. He had spent time cultivating. He said, listen, I got a box right here. I'm drawing the lines. This is the box right here. This is where God dwells. I am going to establish God's presence in my life. I'm going to meditate on his word. I'm going to sing to him. I'm going to seek him. And this right here is the God zone. And I'm going to stay right here until the Father calls me out to do something. Then I'll go. And when I go, I'm going in the name of the Lord. I'm not going by myself because otherwise I can't look at Goliath and say you're coming down because we don't have the strength to do it. We don't have the ability to do it. Only God does. So David developed a box and he says this is the God zone. This is where I'm going to work. The Bible says to labor, to enter into the rest. Find somebody beside you and say you need rest. You've got to rest. We've got to rest in the presence of god so desire trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land feed on his faithfulness psalm 37 verse 3 delight yourself also in the lord god oh god i pray because you know what sometimes we don't feel that in our emotions And there are so many things coming at our minds and so many things coming at our emotions and so many things coming at our minds uh, and our bodies now more than ever. Say more than ever. I mean, we walk around. There's total access. Our kids, total access. I'm just going to add this in there. We've got to guard our minds We've got to guard our emotions. We've got to guard what we let the conversation. God says, I want the conversation to be with me more. I want you to dwell in my presence. Delight yourself in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait for him, wait for him. So it was in this context that David came into the battle and was able to fight and was able to win. And it was a, a strategy that he had developed because how many know that Saul used to call him in when he was being tormented by evil spirits? And what would David do? He would play on his guitar and those evil spirits would go, Why? Because he was hitting the root of the issue, and he was fighting the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. They're mighty through God, and he realized that, and when David would begin to worship, and when he would begin to lift his voice, and when he would begin to praise God, those evil spirits, they would leave Saul. And he established the victory in the kingdom spiritually before he established the victory in the kingdom naturally. He said, listen, Saul, I'm going to come. You've invited me to come. I only got one thing to do, man. I only know one way, and that's to serve the Lord. That's to worship him. So I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to play that guitar. I'm going to fellowship with God. And that's what he did. And sure enough, those devils left. And when he came out onto the battlefield, it was the same principle. He said, listen, Goliath this battle's not mine. I'm not depending on my military strength. I'm not depending on who I know. I'm not depending on my training, but I'm depending on the Lord. And it's a thing with me, you see, because when that lion came to get me, the Bible, he told that uh, Saul, the Lord delivered him into my hand. And then when that bear came against me, you see, I wasn't stronger than, I, I had strength, but it was the Lord who delivered him into my hands. And I believe that as I continue to serve God on this day, that Goliath's gonna fall too. In everything you do, in everything we do, we need to give thanks to God and live and walk in the name of the Lord. And in the, the, the scripture here tells us in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 17, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And as I was reading about David, and I saw how he came out onto the battlefield and said, I'm going to fight in the name of the Lord. I was reminded of that scripture, but I forgot about the thanksgiving. And we forget to thank God. I I thought, "I, I can't come into church. You know, pastor asked me to preach. I can't just, you know. Well, we need to be thankful, but we, I need to be reminded, maybe you need to be reminded that God wants to add thanksgiving onto the back of our prayers. The Bible tells us don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And then that peace is coming when we begin to be thankful. So David prioritized God's presence, and I just want to kind of wrap things up with, with Psalm 132. If you want to go there with me and, and we're going to read in Psalm 132. and I just want to give you a little bit of uh, history before David came on the scene. Samuel was prophet after Eli. And how many remember that Eli had two wicked sons and they weren't serving God and they were profaning the temple and they were lying with women and they were taking their portions unlawfully of the sacrifices and they were unrighteous men and the Bible says that Eli refused to restrain them and discipline them and because Eli refused to discipline his kids that got into the worship in Israel. Because this was the, the center. He was prophet in Israel. But then Samuel came on the scene. And by the way, they were losing their battles. When we don't prioritize God's presence and his righteousness, we begin to lose battles. And we begin to lose the fight. Now, I just want to give, as you hold, if you want to hold your finger in Psalm 132, and go to, you can go there if you'd like, or I'll just read it. Second Timothy chapter two. Paul is addressing false teachers in the church. And in 2 Timothy 2, verse 16, he says, I want you to shun profane and idle babblings. They're going to increase to more ungodliness. And I don't know when this letter was written to the church or to Timothy, but we're several years later and Paul said that false teaching is going to increase and and that the result of that false teaching is going to be ungodliness. Verse 17 And just to give us a little context, amen, is that okay? Verse 17, their message will spread like cancer. Hymaeus and Philetus are of the sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. In other words, the authenticity that God is in someone's life Is right here the seal the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity so there's two things that identify someone that knows Jesus number one God knows them they have a relationship with God and number two they're not living in iniquity or unrighteousness and that deals with conduct And I'll just very quickly, that, that, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love anybody. That doesn't mean that there's no grace. But the Bible says that those that know the Lord depart from iniquity. That means that they're not regularly practicing sin. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So at the time when Eli was prophet, there was dishonor. There was sin. It was rampant in the temple and the sacrifices. And they were losing battles against the Philistines. The Bible says that David, excuse me, Samuel replaced him as prophet. But in the midst of those battles, they had stolen the Ark of the Covenant, which represents for us the presence of God. And it was, indeed, the presence of God in the Old Testament. Are you with me? Think of a, think of a box or a coffin. This, on this cart was God's presence. And in one of the battles, the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, and they brought it into their camp. And they set it next to their idol, Dagon. How many know Dagon fell face? They found him face first on the ground the next day. So God didn't want to dwell with, with the unrighteous idols. And then they brought him out into another camp. And tumors broke out everywhere. And God said, I don't want to dwell with those people either. And then the Bible says for several years he was out, the Ark of the Covenant was out in the woods. We don't hear much more of it. But how many know when David came to power, first priority for him was to bring that ark where? Right back into the center of Jerusalem. And God wants his presence right at the center of our lives. He wants to be right in the middle. He doesn't want to be just off once a week. He doesn't want to be just some creed that we recite once in a while. God says, I want my presence, I want my life right in your life. I want to be center stage. And this is the prayer here. Of the psalmist. Psalm 132 and verse 4. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the woods, as it just referenced. Let us go into his tabernacle, let us worship at his footstool arise o lord to your dwelling place your resting place you and the ark of your strength let your priests be clothed with righteousness and your saints about excuse me shout for joy so i just want to stop here for a second we fight on our knees in worship and in praise god says i want you to fight for righteousness i want you to fight and keep sin out of your life and notice that the saints shout for joy i want you to fight for your joy i want you to fight for it i don't want you to let the enemy take it and by the way the joy is in the lord psalm 16 the bible says that the fullness of joy is in his presence And then finally we see, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but God says, this is my resting place in verse 14. Here I'm going to dwell. I've desired it. Notice God wants to dwell with his people in Zion. I'll abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I'll also clothe her priests with salvation and let her saints shout aloud for joy. And there I will make the horn of david grow i will prepare a lamp for the anointed his enemies i'm going to clothe with shame but upon himself his crown shall flourish so notice when david brings the ark and god's presence right into the middle of life provision comes the poor are fed the strength comes the horn the anointing god's strength comes when we put him in first place. And that's where the victory is. That's where the fight is. You know, we got to serve the enemy. I used to wait tables. And when people would stay too long, we'd call them squatters. <laughs> because they already paid I'm waiting for someone else to come and sit down. And the, the only rights that the enemy has in our life are squatters' rights. Because he doesn't have the authority to be on your property. The Bible says that the, when the Philistines came with Goliath, that they encamped in Soko of Judah. In other words, they came on Judah's property with Goliath. And they said, here, I'm here, and I'm going to stay. And I'm going to shout, and I'm going to get in your face. But when David came along, the Bible says that he took Goliath's head off and they fled, hallelujah, and they fled off the property of God. And it's time for us to see that David, Jesus, the anointed one, has taken the head off of the enemy. We've got to look at the cross and we've got to see the complete provision. We've got to see the complete authority in the resurrection. We've got to see the complete death. And victory that Jesus won over the enemy. And when we see that victory, when we see that only one man was authorized, there was only one man that had the ability to kill Goliath. It was only Jesus. And when we see that Jesus took the head off the enemy, then we could do three things. The Bible says that when they begin to flee, the Israelites stood up. Find somebody. I'm almost done. Say, get up. They got up. You know, resurrection literally means stand up. The second thing they did was they began to shout with praise. Say, shout with praise. And by the way, I'm not talking about just the emotional shouts that they would do because they would come out every morning when Goliath was on the other side and they begin to get themselves all worked up emotionally and scream and shout. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about praising God for the finished work of the cross. Amen. Praising God for his authority over the enemy. And the third thing they did was they pursued. They pursued the enemy and they drove him off their property. Squatters rights no more. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you that the battle is the Lord's. We thank you, God. I believe that God is reminding me uh, today that we need to prioritize his presence, that we need to prioritize seeking him, worshiping him, praising him, living for him, And not worrying about the affairs of our lives. I feel like, God, don't worry about the battle. Don't worry about your enemy. Worry about serving me. Worry about pleasing me and obeying me. And the battle will become my battle. And when you step into it, you're going to step into that battle in the name of the Lord. And you're going to have the confidence that you've been looking for. Because it's not your confidence, but it's my confidence. And you're going to walk in victory. I'm going to give glory to God and not to yourself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are the true champion. Amen? Now, we all want to be like David, but how many know Jesus is the true champion? Amen? David is the true champion. He was the anointed one, and Jesus is the anointed one, and he is the true champion, and he has won the victory for us. And, Lord, we thank you, God. Help us, Lord, to rest in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's Word and that you be filled with His love and strength as you daily serve Him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.